0: What is up, wrestling fans? Welcome to another episode of the Out Moment Smack Talk podcast. I am your host as always, Tony Mango, kind of for this edition, we'll see in a
1: minute, because also <laughs> kind of hosting this is Callum Wiggins. Hello. And Robert D. Felice. Callum is hosting. Tony is just <laughs> along for the ride, and I will try to fill in the color. Yes. Because what we're doing here is we're going to be breaking down the New Japan
0: Pro Wrestling G1 Climax 2019 slash 29 tournament. I don't even know exactly what they go with here. I think it's 29, but that is why Callum is going to fill us in it's on the most of the information. Here.
2: <laughs> so, Callum, pretty much take it away. <laughs> Well, because Tony has never climaxed in his life, we have to talk about <laughs> uh, it. It falls to me to kind of lead the ideas. A resident New Japan watcher, Rob, is obviously also a very well seasoned New Japan follower. So we can fill in a few details here. Essentially, what we're going to be doing on this podcast is breaking down our thoughts on just the event in general the ninety-one odd matches. We're not obviously gonna break all of them down match by match and say, oh I think John Moxley's gonna defeat Tai Chi and this one and then all the other stuff but,
0: well, just there goes over-
2: notes. <laughs> <laughs> but we're just gonna give a general overview of what, how we think each block is gonna go, uh what the final we think potentially will be, and then at the end we're gonna do slightly different than our typical predictions for a uh, pay-per-view event. This isn't really a pay-per-view but similar sort of like big wrestling event where we're going to have a series of questions where we answer to give predictions because if you guys haven't seen the G1 Climax before, it's essentially almost a league-based system where there are two blocks of 10 wrestlers each and everyone faces each other once. Uh, The winners get two points. If there's a draw, it's one point apiece. And if the person who loses gets zero points. And it's the, the people who finish the top of each block who get the most points over the course of the nine matches they have each. Each, uh, face each other in the final, which takes place on August 12th. And the winner of that match becomes the uh, essentially earns the right to main event Wrestle Kingdom 14 for the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship. Uh, mm-hmm. Which makes it interesting because the world IWGP World Heavyweight Champion is also competing in this tournament, as he typically does. Now, if,
0: if, for the layman like me. Mm hmm. Has that ever happened before, where somebody has been the champion and won the tournament to face the champion? Yes. How does that so, work?
2: Essentially, <laughs> if the if the champion is to win, it it has varied year from year. But at the moment, as far as my knowledge understands it, if the champion, in which case Kazuchika Okada would was to win uh, the tournament this time, then he would get to choose his opponent at Wrestle Kingdom fourteen. Ah, uh, okay, that makes sense.
0: And then which that just sort that he... of positions him as being like. Above and beyond the best. Yeah. You know, you're the champion champion and the tournament winner and kind of like winning King of the Ring and being
2: champion at the same time or something. Yeah, the champion has won the G1 before. I believe Tanahashi has won it on at least one occasion as champion. So it's not unheard of, but it would be unlikely, but that's what we're here to like break down and predict. So let's just talk about, first of all, the fact that this is the first G1 Climax taking place, at least in part, outside of Japan with the first show taking place on July 6th at the, um, oh, what's this, the arena called? It's in Dallas. Uh, the old the Dallas Center. Center. American <laughs> the Amer- airline American, Center. A- American Airline Center, yes. Uh, so how how do we feel about New Japan spreading their wings and taking their, their biggest tournament over to stateside?
1: Now, I think it's very cool. And obviously, even though the elite has gone, they haven't given up entirely on their western expansion but you are missing perhaps the greatest western star in the tournament and that's John Moxley so I don't know if that's necessarily a miss on their part or if they're trying to see if they can still draw outside of Moxley and Jericho and Omega in the United States.
2: Well I'd say that uh, based on the news that I've tracked, uh the sales haven't been especially strong for this uh this first show. I think they probably will sell out in terms of like the walk ups towards the end of it, but the fact that it hasn't sold out already isn't the greatest sign in the world. But like you say, they don't they don't have the same level of a big Western talent that they used to have because all elite essentially took most of them. So they're left with a few also rounds. Obviously Moxley can't appear due to his What we can only assume is his commitments to AEW, meaning that he can't compete for a promotion in well, essentially a a major promotion on American soil but it's fine for him to work Japan.
1: As the United States champion. So he's the United States champion who cannot compete in the United States. Very interesting. This is all very confusing. (laughs) (laughs) No thoughts about the show
2: being in America, Tony?
0: I like it because it's at least gives somebody else another opportunity to see some other kind of uh, product, you know, like, I mean, I'm not going to be watching this for the next month because I've got to do plenty of other things and New Japan's not something that I follow and all that much. But, you know, if WWE is not what people like and they're not into ring of honor and they're not into mlw and they're not into this and that and stuff aew doesn't have a tv show yet and if you're gonna track this and make that your next month then that's pretty awesome you know if they can come over and do like their tournament and start that with like an event and you can actually go there because how many people can really like fly over to japan then all that much better you know that maybe that's going to get people more involved in uh, new japan I
1: think it's cool that Access TV, for the days that fall on the Saturdays, they're going to do same-day airings of the tournament matches as much as they can. So I think that's very cool. Does New
0: Japan have like a TV show that's like weekly? Yes, Only...
1: and on
2: or on Access, but essentially it's. Uh, essentially a breakdown of their different tour, tours and uh, pay-per-views. So essentially they're just show matches from the pay-per-views and
1: tours. I believe in Japan they're on Ashi, and I don't know how frequently they're on or what that schedule is, but they do have a strong presence.
0: But that's not like a WWE type thing where it's like every week we have this episode of no, New Japan no. wrestling. You know, like that kind
2: of thing. No, they just they just show like a series of their different matches from yeah pay per view events or uh house shows or different tours based around that. They don't have a week to week television program. They d- they're not really. I mean, they're obviously character and they show a lot of character and storytelling through their matches. But other outside of that, they're not really heavily focused on building stories or. Huge characters or backstage segments, stuff along those lines that you typically would see in WWE and probably in AEW and any other form of uh, Western uh, wrestling.
0: So, more so just like old school house show circuit, but we can tape this and air it on a Saturday, like that kind of thing.
2: Yeah. Yeah,
0: pretty much. All right. So, that changes one of my perceptions of some of this.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's, uh, now we've gotten like the initial start out of the way. So, it's gonna be taking place starting this Saturday, so this is why we're just doing a little preview now. And so let's break down the first block, block A. Uh, in Afbeth Quarter. The participants there are Bad Luck Vale, Evil, Hiroshi Tanahashi, Kazuchika Okada, Kenta, Koturibushi, Lance Archer, Sonada, Will Ospreay, and Zack Sabre
1: Jr. Very strong block. Very strong, I think. They're that's probably the focus of the brand. And I don't know if they're intentionally broken down by that. Like block a signifies more importance, but this has all the heavy hitters and this has the person that I feel will be the eventual winner, but we'll get more into that down the line. I I'm really excited to see some of the matchups that guys like Okada are going to have this time around, especially with Will Ospreay, who's making the jump as the juniors champion into the heavyweight ranks. Yeah. So, so
2: obviously uh, this is uh, Osprey's first G1 Climax. It's also the first G1 Climax for the former Hideo Itami, now Kenta again. Uh, Tony, as someone who is a huge fan of uh, Hideo Itami's work, uh, <laughs> are you looking forward to see what he does here in uh, the G1 Climax?
0: You know, he's somebody that actually stands out to me on this. I'm looking at the list right now and just kind of trying to remember where they kind of all fall. And Kenta, they made a big deal out of him uh, with the Dominion. So I could see him being pushed as like a real serious guy, depending on, you know, their philosophies of booking people and trying to get attention to certain things. Because, again... Not too familiar with, like, you know, the way that WWE books things is different from the way that Impact books things and so on and so forth. But he seems like he cares a hell of a lot more than when he was in 205 Live and in NXT. So maybe he's got a renewed passion to it. Maybe they really want to see him be like a big guy for their company going forward. And this could be like a whole new resurgence for him, you know?
1: I don't know if it's going to be good, but... (laughs) Now, does this signify that Kenta will be moving forward as a heavyweight? Because Osprey is in this tournament, and a win over Osprey could mean Kenta and Osprey somewhere down the line.
2: I think for the right people, there's going to be some flexibility between the two weight classes now. I think for Osprey, he's too universally talented to just be contained to one division. It's the same place with Shingo Tsukagi, maybe more just due to the fact that when we're talking uh, block B... The fact that Shingo Takagi is very big for a junior heavyweight. It makes it easier for them to make the transition. I think because of Kenta's name and just the overall value of him coming in for the first time makes it right for them to capitalise on him being a heavyweight. Because let's put it this way, face it, the idea of like Kota Ibushi and Zach Staber Jr. both easily fit as junior heavyweights as well. And both have been in that division in the past as well. And they were both in the Cruiserweight Classic too. Yeah. So... It, it mainly depends on your overall star power and ability to cross cross over between those two boundaries. But it, it has another sort of like layer of interest to it because one of the interesting things about the G1 in the way that it's structured is that it also sets up future championship matches because the way obviously it works in New Japan is that if you pin a champion in any match, you're next in line. And that's, a hard and fast rule there's virtually no deviating from that so okada in this tournament even though wolf obviously many people would presume that he's going to be the person as the iwgp heavyweight champion that will end up facing whoever wins this tournament unless it's him obviously at wrestle kingdom 14 he could end up losing the title along the way to one of the people that beats him during the g1 climax completely changed the entire situation
0: so how does this work when it comes to the different heavyweight type of classifications? Because I'm still confused about what the never section is, and like the junior heavyweight. I'm assuming that obviously that's like
2: legitimate uh, weight limits. It's a, and it's stuff. a weight, yeah, it's a, yeah. That's a legitimate weight limit. The idea for certain other ones is obviously you've got the heavy, the IWGP Heavyweight Championship at the top. You have two essential mid card titles. That's the Intercontinental in the, in the United States, right? Yes. Uh, The open, uh, like yeah, the open championship is kind of a bit more distinct, really, because it falls under the NEVER name as opposed to the IWGP, and so it was designed to be kind of a like not so much an open weight class thing, but more along the lines of being a a pure strong style belt. At least eventually, that's what it became when it was constantly being traded between uh, Shibata and Ishii. Essentially became essentially became the belt where if you want to see some real like huge Japanese guys beating the shit out of each other for real, pretty much, then you watch the open the, the um, never open World championship matches. So Which how is,
1: uh, Shibata didn't come out too well at the back end of those. Obviously, he can no longer compete as an as a wrestler. So maybe it's best that that style has shifted. So if
0: you like. If you are in the weight limit of the junior heavyweight, can you challenge for the heavyweight?
2: Yes. If you so be the
0: champion. Essentially, the heavyweight and the junior heavyweight doesn't really matter as much as the junior heavyweight can't have the people that are above that limit. Yeah. So I all right, so basically it's uh the junior heavyweight's a cruiserweight title. They have cruiserweight tag champs. Intercontinental in the United States and heavyweight are the same as like WWE tag team champions, same as WWE, and the never open weight and the never open weight six man tag are just sort of like, uh, I Edition guess, kind titles. of like the hardcore championship kind
2: of. Uh, you can you can kind of look at it like that. You could look at it as like a European championship if you wanted to. It's just uh, I never want to look at the European championship. <laughs> <laughs> it, it depends. It, it's very often that you see these belts fluctuate in importance depending on who's holding it. <sighs> It's this very much in a stage where uh, the wrestlers make the belts, as opposed to the belts make the wrestlers. All so, right, so, for instance, I, I, like
0: um, Moxley being the United States champion in this means that he could potentially be on par with Okada as far I as pro- importance.
2: I probably wouldn't say Moxley just because he's very brand new, and so he might. Even though it seems that the Japanese audience has taken him very well, he might not have the same level of. Import around him, but let's say that when when Kenny Omega was holding the United States Championship, that was a bigger belt than the Intercontinental title. But then when let's say Cody was holding the United States Championship, it was probably on a lower footing to Tetsuya Naito holding the Intercontinental Championship. It very right. much depends on how much your how much your stock is considered in Japan, as opposed to anywhere else in the world.
1: And let's be clear, I don't want to say that the weight divisions don't necessarily matter because that's Osprey's whole mission in this tournament is that he wants to wrestle the heavyweights and prove that they can be on the same par because they're not necessarily there yet.
0: So we have how many champions in, that are in this? Okada, Naito, Moxley,
1: Osprey, uh, Ishii as well, as the op- op- open openweight champion. And technically, uh, Zach Sabre Jr., as well as the British champion, and yeah, that title the- often gets defended in uh, New Japan. And it yes.
0: says Yano is uh, he's, six-man tag He's one third. Champion. Yeah,
2: yeah well, third uh, yeah, that doesn't
1: matter as much.
2: No, that, that really doesn't matter as much at all. That title is rarely defended, and when it is defended, it almost always changes hands. It should be merged with a... But the regular tech champs or
1: something
0: with with anything it should just be uh, discarded. <laughs> look. look at look at this weird scenario where Rob's the one saying things can be merged. I'm the one <laughs> asking these stupid questions and I have no idea what's going on. And you know, you, what are you saying that's my usually my role? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, uh, what? whose role would that be, Drew's? <laughs> yeah, Drew's <laughs> yeah. definitely. All right, so now I know a little bit more about that whole setup because now that frames. The people in the tournament as being like, well, they're champions, but maybe that doesn't necessarily position them as being like infallible.
2: Yeah. Oh yeah. They Okada will lose matches in this tournament. Hmm. Same with uh, Moxley. Same with. Uh. Same with Naito. Same with Ishii. It's very, very, very rare you see someone go unbeaten in the G1 Climax. But it's based around the idea that, Based around the idea that. It takes a lot out of you. And then you need to be on your game every single night to because if the other person is just that smidgen better has got a smidgen more left in the tank, you could lose.
0: How does it work when it comes to you said uh if you beat somebody, you're next in line for the championship. How does that work with multiple losses? So if well, like ex-
2: well, essentially it just it determines who your challenges are on every single show between now and Wrestle Kingdom. So let's say Arcada was to lose three matches. Then he has to defend his title against those three guys before he gets to the Wrestle Kingdom.
0: Even if he loses it to the first one, then the other ones, how do they factor in?
1: Would theoretically get the chance. The thing with New Japan is it's not as hot potato as WWE, so you likely won't see that scenario. So yeah. that would be on the fly. I would say that the instance would be
2: along the lines of I I'd, obviously I don't know the complete incident because it does change year to year. Essentially, the first person to beat Okada would probably be the first person to challenge him. And if he was to win, then essentially you just have to work out a challenger in a different way. Which would usually involve even the person challenging for the belt, or maybe somebody else coming out saying that I should have gotten a shot against carder, so I want to challenge you for the belt, and then the match is made that way. Ah, oh, okay. So it, it will get figured out on occasion, but again, it's something that's very rare to see, because also so something that we might as well discuss here is the fact that the winner of the G One climax also has to defend his right to fight Wrestle Kingdom against people that beat him in the tournament as well. Ah, okay. That's so essentially, essentially it's like the idea of like winning money in the bank and then having to defend it on other pay per views huh. before you before you uh, cash it in essentially. Well there, there goes my there Lance is Archer also pick. There's a briefcase, <laughs> <laughs> There's there a is briefcase also too, what
1: the fuck? This yeah. is all over the yeah. place. Yeah, it is a briefcase, yeah. With is it only a inside.
0: briefcase because of the Money in the Bank?
1: I believe so, because that's a later edition, right? Yeah, I think uh, they didn't start
2: instituting the briefcase until after 2005, when the first uh, Money in the Bank one came in. I can't say it's like a, d- a direct ripoff from it, but also I can't say that it isn't. So, It's a cool-looking briefcase.
1: Yeah, it's just black. It's just black with some nice white bold lettering that says January 4th, whatever the year is, Tokyo now. Huh. so we kind of have broken down a bit like in
2: general what the g1 climax is going to be like uh just to round off the talk about group a, a little bit so we just talk about who we think could be potential winners potential dark horses who's got no chance i mean let's face it lance are has got no chance of winning this tournament no that's the one name out of all the whole thing that i'm like all right i know that i can bet that he's not winning <laughs> So he he does have a chance of winning on his first night though because he is uh, a Dallas born and raised. So he th- they could give the hometown guy a win over Will Ospreay on the first night.
1: Hmm. Now, also nothing against the guy, but I don't see Faile going too far in this, even though he's probably the biggest man in terms of size. He is... I good as I say, he
2: is often very well protected in G1 climaxes. And he very, very rarely wrestles nowadays in singles matches.
1: Now, I'm going to spoil a little bit of the story that I think can play out and perhaps should. But since Will Osprey's put so much stock in, I need to prove myself against the heavyweights. I got him finishing at the bottom. I, I wonder if he just gets creamed throughout the entire thing or even like in the matches that are good like with Koda Bushi or Zack Sabre Jr., if he just can't pick up a win in the heavyweight division just yet.
0: Like he uh, fights Folly and he puts up a really, really, really good fight and he almost beats him, but he loses ultimately. And then it's like, ah, he's proven himself, but he lost.
1: That yeah, kind of but thing. he just he's just not there. He doesn't have that extra gear that would be needed for the heavyweight division.
2: I think there's a possibility that would be the case. I think... I think they want to give Osprey a little bit... I think Osprey's chances of winning this are slim to none, but I think they'll give him at least a couple of wins in this tournament. Well, if we're talking... This... Go ahead. I was going to say, I don't think this is a a Eugene Nagata situation where he lost all of his matches leading into like his final G1 or whatever.
0: If we're talking just block A, being an outsider for the whole thing and not knowing exactly how people play out uh, with these kind of tournaments and stuff... I have seen Evil and Sonata only in tag teams for their, my, like, I mean, we're talking back to, I think the first New Japan show that I had seen was the Styles and Nakamura match from Wrestle Kingdom. Like, Mm -hmm. that event, I think, was the first one I actually, like, sat down and watched anything of. I've only seen Evil and Sonata as a tag team, and I can't imagine that they would be really highlighted in that kind of context. They seem to me like they would be utility players to just kind of wrestle a lot of matches, be some names, lose to the people like the Tanahashis and the Kentas and Ibushis and all that, and just sort of be in that lower kind
1: of bracket range. Now, you would think that, but Evil is a guy who has often been... I don't want to say second in command, or for LIJ, which is his faction headed up by Naito. But he is the one guy outside of the four pillars of New Japan that got the honor to wrestle Chris Jericho. So they do see some stock in evil. And Sonata is a guy who many people feel like is going to be IWGP champion one day. He has all the tools. It's just a matter of getting him to that point. This could be the moment that he starts to do so. Yeah, and I just to like spoil
2: a little bit in terms of like in terms of how match is going, I think this is finally the time we see Senado beat Okada in a match.
1: Hmm. I think he'll
2: I think he'll defeat Okada in a match. Because he's already faced Okada multiple times for the IWG championship in the last couple of years and he's I think he's 0 five against him in singles matches. I think they need to give him a victory over Okada at some point. And then that it... way, Okada beats him like in November or something like that. Yeah, you could have sign on those lines, but just to give Sonada a victory over Okada would raise his stock significantly. Uh, I, agree. I, I do think that Evil Sonada will have good showings, but won't obviously win. Zack Saber Junior is another one who who has done well in tournaments in Japan, but probably is not going to win this one because he doesn't have the star power behind him to really. Rest, like headline Wrestle Kingdom. It comes down really to one of four people from uh, Block A. It's Kenta, Kotoribushi, Kazuchika Okada, or Hiroshi Tanahashi.
1: I agree with that 100%. I do want to ask the question of, this year Wrestle Kingdom is a two-night event. Yes. Now, does that mean that IC Champion will finish one night and IWGP will finish the other, or do you think there's a possibility that let's skip all the way to the end here and say if there's a time limit draw in the finals. Does block A winner get one night and block B winner get the other?
0: Or maybe block A winner and block B winner in another rematch?
2: I'd I'd be very surprised if that was the case. I think one night will be headed off headed up by a different match to I think in the first night, we're going to see a, like, I guess just a traditional tag team match with the IWGP champion in it, which will have his challenger and then some of their faction members facing each other. And then the and then they'll have their actual match on the on the final Wrestle Kingdom show. I personally think that the um, first Wrestle Kingdom show is going to be headlined by Jushin Liger in some way. That would be good because that is his uh, farewell night. That might be the time they actually give him the match against Suzuki that has been building for at least three months at this point.
1: (laughs) I also think you can easily have Jericho, Tanahashi, which they started building at Dominion, headline one of the nights. Yeah, But I'm also not fully sure if Kenny Omega is going to factor into Wrestle Kingdom because he does still have that contract where he can work a New Japan date. And if they're saving him for one of the headline nights of Wrestle Kingdom, then that is always a factor that we won't know until well after this tournament. What's the contract situation? He he has a contract with New Japan. Yeah, Yeah, Omega and Jericho and Moxley until TV for Moxley. But Omega and Jericho are allowed to wrestle dates for New Japan.
0: Is that like just kind of perpetual going forward or does that end at wrestle kingdom
1: that would likely end at wrestle kingdom because even moxley has said i want to wrestle all these places and then in about february of 2020 right after wrestle kingdom i'm gonna focus all my energy on all elite i think the situation will just essentially
2: be based on how long their contract is with new japan that's the thing that will determine it. If let's say Omega signed a two-year contract when he left, that means that he's got two years left to run on New Japan and can still do dates for New Japan, where his priority is okay. The big AEW show, I'll do AEW. But if I can wrestle in New Japan, I'll wrestle in New Japan. I assume that'll be the situation.
0: Is there any kind of like partnership between AEW and New Japan? Absolutely
1: no. not. They they have been very clear that while these talents do have their individual contracts, as of this moment, there is no working relationship between All Elite and, and JPW.
0: Okay, so there's, like, a very, very slim chance that, like, say, Night One of Wrestle Kingdom is kind of like a cross-promotional thing of, like, I don't know, uh let's say they put their differences aside and it's, like, Moxley and Omega and somebody against, like, two, uh, three New Japan guys or something like that. Yeah, there's, there's
1: no yeah. chance of that. Yeah, zero chance of that, yeah.
0: Okay. But
2: they've already booked the card as well for... Dallas as well, so there's not going to be any changes to that. So, um that's partly because of the Kenny Omega thing is part of the reason why I think that it's not clear at and Dry that Okada doesn't win this tournament. Because if Okada wins, he could choose Omega to be his opponent. Which would be a way of Omega essentially bypassing the entire G1 because of the AEW thing, and yet still get a big match at Wrestle Kingdom.
0: So, Tanahashi... With Mm -hmm. this whole thing with uh, Jericho, they've not said, like, when those two are going to fight? No. no, but it could be kind of assumed that it's probably Wrestle Kingdom? Most likely, yeah. And
1: Jericho has said he'll just show up whenever he wants. So you could see him between Dallas and January in Tokyo, you could see him absolutely anywhere. Do they have any, like,
0: other big events between like whenever the G1 climax finishes and and that like do they have like their equivalent of like a SummerSlam or Survivor Series?
1: They have Power Struggle which I believe is in October or November and Jericho's been there the last two times. So I think Power Struggle is a good date to look out for Jericho. They'll have at least three
2: like big to medium-sized shows between now and Wrestle Kingdom.
0: So wouldn't that likely be a time where he could do the Tanahashi match? That would do
2: that Wrestle Kingdom.
0: But so, by that rationale, that doesn't that kind of push Tanahashi out of a G1 Climax a little bit and kind of boost up somebody like Will Ospreay?
1: It uh, could. Yeah. But it depends. But again, on, you never know. Yeah.
2: It depends because you want to keep... It's the idea of like Tanahashi's one of the big four or ne- now essentially the big three with Okada um, and uh, Naito. And they very rarely lose any matches or aren't don't look aren't meant to look weak in any way, shape, or form. So there's, you still want to have Tanahashi looking strong in this tournament, but I think he's probably the one alongside Kenta that I think least likely to win Block A out of the the four that probably are the favourites. It comes between more of a Okada and Kota Ibushi thing, really.
1: Now, the Okada. Thing would be really interesting to me because that's an intriguing story to me imagine if the WWE champion entered the Royal Rumble won the Rumble and then said well guess what now I get to pick my dream match for Wrestlemania in the main event and Okada has history with so many of these guys he can just choose you know Will Ospreay I like your fight and you know, we're Chaos members, I'm going to give you your match. There's so many different things that can go in with there that I would almost want to see Okada win above everybody else, but, and I'm not telling too much here, I think it's going to be Koda.
2: Koda does stand, like, quite tall into his, like, favorite team in the final last year. He's now a permanent New Japan signing so he doesn't have that air of uncertainty surrounding him anymore, so if if there's any good time, now is the time to push him to the moon, really. But we'll obviously wait and see with that side of things. So that's that's block A fairly well covered, as well as a lot of other stuff surrounding New Japan and the G1 Climax. Uh, So let's move over to talk a little bit about block B. Uh, I think probably the weaker of the two blocks in terms of just star power and potential, but in the out there we have Hiroki Goto, Jay Wyatt, Jeff Cobb, John Moxley, Juice Robinson, Shingo Takagi, Tai Chi, Tetsuya Naito, Tomohiro Ishii, and Toru Yano.
1: Yeah, it's a weird thing when John Moxley, who wasn't even a thought a month and a half ago, is almost carrying this block along with Naito and White. And yeah, a little bit. Yeah. I'm going to tell you right now the two matches I'm looking forward to in this entire tournament are Naito and Moxley and Jay White and Moxley. Yeah, I don't really, I'm not so much looking
2: forward to Naito and Moxley as I'm going to be thinking how is one of them going to walk out of this still alive, or how are both of them are going to walk out of this still alive, because Naito's recent matches, especially the stuff of the have essentially been, for most people, would be career killers
1: Yes. And Jay White is got that knife thing going on and I really want them both to bring their knives to this. I just I see that as such a cool visual and they're both sadistic characters and they could easily have the best character-driven match of the whole tournament if they decide to let them go for a long time. Well, they can only go a maximum of half an hour,
2: unfortunately, but if they go if they go most of that time, then that should be pretty good. Uh there are some interesting connotations with this one because there's a lot of champions in this in this block. So you have Ishii, Moxley, and Naito all champions in this one. So it might be more of a block where you're kind of just figuring out who's going to be filling in the mid card matches at Wrestle Kingdom and in the build up towards Wrestle Kingdom. So but that has its own interesting connotation surrounding it. Uh I think in terms of like potential favorites, uh well Toriano and Tai Chi are right at the very bottom.
1: Uh you know, I really think that they're gonna go with Tai this <laughs> year. No, but but I will say with Tai Chi, he's definitely above Yano for me because I watched his match against Ishii at Dominion and they're really telling a story with Tai Chi that he can go and he can kick ass. If he just drops the, you know, the Phantom of the Opera deal that he's got going on. Oh, then, it's hey, that dude. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you don't need this. I know during the Dominion match, she was saying, you know, you don't need this. Let's go. Let's go all out. Let's you can fight. I want to see that. So maybe this will be a tournament where tai Chi stands out because he becomes more of a fighter.
2: Tony, you don't know you're a Tai Chi from your chai tea, do you? I don't even <laughs> uh, I don't think I've ever had chai tea. <laughs> Not a big tea drinker.
0: Yeah, I look at this list. I look at this list and I'm like, all right, I know Moxley. I know Nido, I know Robinson. I know Jay White, just as this dude that kind of like blew up over the past year. Didn't know he was from New Zealand, though. Just clicked on that. Find that out. And I'm sure I've seen some of these other people, like Jeff Cobb looks a little familiar, but I mean, going into this, it's like Jeff Cobb. Oh, that's like a baseball player, right? Like just kind of one of those things. I look at this as like, it has to be, unless they do some kind of a thing where it's like, let's really push some guy that I've never heard of before. Naito, Robinson, Moxley, and White stand out to me.
2: Well, there are some other interesting connections. Ishii has been the perennial nearly man for New Japan Pro Wrestling for the last, like, five years or so. Somebody who is sometimes thrust into the main event scene, but is typically, like, the standard bearer. The the one that you have to defeat or break down in order to cement yourself as, like, somebody on the rise. And I've been waiting for years and years for Ishii to be considered, like, a real main event star. And I don't know whether that will ever happen, but... I kind of hope... I always, like, back him going into tournaments like this. At least as someone who I want to win as opposed to someone who I expect to win.
1: Ishii is one of those guys who I don't get excited for a, wow, Dave Meltzer is going to love this spectacle of a match, but I know it's going to be like, yeah, somebody's going to get the shit slapped out of them for real in this match every time I see Ishii. And he could be a strong contender because, again, how much stock are they putting in John Moxley? Do they have Moxley through Wrestle Kingdom, or is he gonna lose that title somewhere along the way? Yes, I I know Naito is gonna finish at or near the top of Block B because he's Naito, but does that mean that? you know you can't build a Shingo Takagi who right up there with Osprey has been having these fantastic matches and has actually won a match against a heavyweight so maybe it's his year i there, there's so many possibilities i will say Juice Robinson they're trying to do a story with him where he shaved the dreadlocks he's not he said i've thrown every part of CJ Parker in the trash He's trying to be a new man, and I think he's trying to have that explosiveness and intensity as a dynamite kid or Chris Benoit, but I still don't see that in him yet, and I'm wondering how far he's actually going to go in this tournament. Or is he just here to lose to Naito and get a win over Moxley, or maybe even another uh, emasculating loss? Like Maybe Moxley runs right through him, and now he's got to go away and really find himself.
0: This is a question that I didn't even think about until you just started talking about this. How does heel and face tend to
2: factor in with this? Cause... it's 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 very I mean, the idea of it along with the G1 climax is that you kept faction members against each other. So obviously in block A you have Evil and Sonada facing each other, you have Okada and Osprey who are in the Chaos faction against each other, Okada and Tanahashi have been on good terms recently, they'll be facing each other. Uh on the other side of things you have Uh, takagi against naito you've got ishii against goto and yano as well they're all in the same faction uh so it's it's heel and face is very i won't say loose in new japan but it very much depends on where you kind of essentially bullet club and suzuki-gun as factions are typically heels uh, Chaos is a typical babyface, uh, Toguchi Japan, or the other New Japan collective baby babyfaces, and Lij Flip Flop, flip, like, is more the tweener role.
0: So and if like White and Moxley are together. Moxley's playing babyface essentially.
1: No, they're both just gonna fucking kill each other.
2: Uh, White would definitely be the heel in that match Cause Moxley... but, I... but if it's Moxley against uh Robinson, then Robinson then Moxley's heel. Yeah. yeah, it it I... will depend very See, much.
1: Yeah, I don't know if. The crowd might go one way, but I don't think Moxley will change his style. I think that's just going to be seen as okay, these men will throw the rule book out the window, you know, because it's heel versus heel. But I have a question about Taguchi Japan and Hiroshi Tanahashi in relation to chaos, because I was watching Robbie Eagles turn babyface at uh, the Australian show, and Tanahashi's right inside there with Chaos. Is he a Chaos member? Does he have any alliance? What's the deal there?
2: Essentially, it's just a bit of a blurring between Taguchi Japan and Chaos. Because Toriyano, who is a Chaos member, his two his two partners from in his uh, six-man Openweight Championship are both Taguchi Japan members. Makabe okay. and uh, uh, Taguchi. So, there's very much like now, very much these two factions almost pretty much in tandem working together. Whereas previously there was a bit of separation, mainly due to the fact that Tanahashi and Okada were in such a heated feud between each other.
1: Okay. That makes more sense. Now, I don't want to harp too much on Moxley, but he is the big star and the upcoming star in New Japan. He made a big deal about hating that he showed WWE any sense of comedic timing. But he also really has very good comedic timing. Do you think he goes in there with Yano and it's fun and funny? Or do you think he goes in there and kills Yano real quick? I think he has a lot of fun with Yano.
2: Because Yano is your easiest match that you're going to have in this entire tournament. It's It's almost part of the reason why I think Yano is so right for this kind of tournament. Because he's not someone you take seriously. He's someone who wins matches by like blinding the referee or pulling the turnbuckle pads down or giving you a low blow and rolling you up. But his matches are so easy to have with all all the other guys. They can just go in there, have fun, rest up a little bit, and then be ready for another 25-minute slugfest with anyone else who's more serious in the competition. For
1: context, Tony, it's like putting Eugene number one in the rumble and letting him go the majority (laughs) of the way. Or like Santino or someone. Yeah, yeah he's, I would say he's more familiar to
2: a Santino because it's at least Santino was pushed pretty big. Like, Santino won the Intercontinental title, he won the United States title, he's almost won the World Heavyweight Championship at one point. Yano can do that sort of stuff, but it would be kind of a joke side of things. So, even though like he's a complete like uh
0: loser, he still gets into the tournament yeah. with no like. Like, they
2: don't pick the tournament people based off of any kind of, like, specific accolades? Not particularly, no. I mean, it's sort okay. of a case that he isn't a user, loser because he's a champion right now. And he's been a champion multiple times in the last few years. He's a multiple-time tag team champion. He's a multiple-time six-man tag champion. He does have the credibility to back him up, even if his wrestling style is completely, like, comedic. It does, at least in a K five sense, it gets results.
1: Now. Goto always does well in these tournaments. I believe he's the guy who Omega beat in 2016 to go into the first match with Okada, right? Yes. He did lose to Takagi. I believe that's who Takagi beat at Dominion. No, that was uh, Kojima. Oh, sorry. so But Goto can be seen as a Final Four guy here, can he not? Uh,
2: it's very... It's very difficult to say with Goto because Goto is very much in the same bracket as Ishii, as is a guy who, for a long time, they thought was going to be one of the top dogs, but gradually, just he—he's never really connected with the fans in the way that other people do. He's a perfectly serviceable wrestler. I'd kind of equate him to a very similar level to maybe I'm trying to think, of on in WWE that comparative to? Maybe someone like not a Dolph Ziggler, but like someone who who has seen glimpses of getting to the main event scene, but is very much stuck in the mid-card level just due to either the booking surrounding him or not getting as much attention from the crowd that you would expect him to, that sort of thing. Finn Balor? Potentially a Finn Balor, yeah. Uh, it's just, yeah, hes he, I don't think he's got a great shot of this one, but just because it's a bit more of a shock factor and he has a lot of years of credibility behind him, it's probably not as like bizarre as... Other people would expect it to be. Jeff Cobb is an interesting one because he's obviously very much in Ring of Honor right now, and like splitting his time between the two while they still have a working relationship. But by the
1: the way, Tony, Jeff Cobb has zero relationship to baseball player Ty Cobb. Ty Cobb.
2: (laughs) (laughs) What happens uh, if somebody gets injured? Then they get taken. Then essentially, they get taken out of the tournament, and everyone else gets a win who's going to be facing them in the schedule. Huh. So essentially, there have been occasions where someone has had to be injured for a match, and so they essentially have to forfeit the match and the other guy gets to win. So they take it very seriously like that. Even That's if like, it kind well, of, like,
0: messes up the whole plan?
2: Yeah, well, uh, it's the idea that Ghetto, the master Booker, is very good at uh, fixing things on the fly. Hmm. Like He would have obviously had this planned out weeks in advance, but he's probably accounted for, like... Difficult situations and stuff like that. There's probably a plan B, plan C, plan D, or whatever. Like. At the end of the day, it only really matters if the guy who he wants to win it wins it, because that's the only thing that really matters at the end of the day. If if someone else ends up winning block B or whatever, then yeah, that's that's like saying the guys by the bye. But if the guy who wins block A is the guy you want to win it, then that's pretty much fine. If that guy gets injured, then you're pretty much screwed and you just have to go with somebody else.
1: But that's the risks with a tournament like this. See, now I had before the brackets were released or, you know, the blocks, I had assumed Kento would be placed in the same block with Naito and that Kento would get one over on Naito and that would be setting up their Wrestle Kingdom because I think that would be a good match and that's something Naito hasn't done. But it's it's got to be Naito, right? Like, Naito is essentially their... If you want to equate it to WWE, if Tanahashi is Cena and uh, Orton would be Okada, this guy is like their CM Punk, their rebel, you know, I can do whatever I want and the people love me, I hate the title I have, I just want the world title. He's that guy. He's definitely one of the favorites in this one, in the
2: Block B side of things. But I still put, if I was a betting man, I'd put my money on
1: Jay White for that one. I do like Jay White. And you know what? Perhaps the greatest character development I've seen in a long time, because when he fought Tanahashi at Wrestle Kingdom 12, I could not care less. The, the Switchblade thing was kind of dumb. But between turning on Omega and then slowly but surely getting control of the Bullet Club, Jay White is a star. And. I think he's somebody that New Japan wants to build around for the future. I think it's between him and Osprey to fill that fourth slot now that Omega's gone. But is it enough to have Jay White go into this and then, what I feel, lose it to the winner of Block A?
2: Well, that's obviously what we'll come to see now. So we've uh, broken down both blocks now. Uh, have pretty much a good idea on all the people involved in it. So let's get through to the actual predictions. So uh, we're going to get, like I said earlier, we're going to be doing these a little bit differently. It's not just a case of who's going to win what match. It's going to be who's going to do what in like, in many different facets of the actual tournament. And we'd also like to invite you to do this with us as well, because there will be a poll up on the Small Cow Moment website. I'll We'll share the link in the Mega Maniacs and all the other pl- good places so you can find it. Uh, Where you can essentially just fill out same way we've done it in the past with other like pay per view predictions. You just fill out all of your answers to it. Say who you think is going to win, lose. It's just a very simple Google form. Just fill it all out, and you can take part as well. And if you win, whoever gets the most points gets a nicer shout out on the podcast when we tally them all up, and shout out on the Mega Maniacs as well. So, you want to throw any plugs out here? Now we're talking about the website (laughs) only.
0: Yeah, I mean, if you haven't checked out all the other things that are happening on smartoutmoment.com, by all means, vote on the Sexiest WWE Superstars Tournament. That's another thing that you guys can vote for. We are on round three right now, and we are going to be breaking that down tomorrow at some point for the podcast side of things, but that's happening. Uh, obviously, if you are following us on the YouTube page, you should be subscribed to the YouTube channel. Ring that little bell for notifications to be aware of when we post those things up as well. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Moment. We'll talk about some other
2: things a little bit later. Okay, that's all good. So let's get to the point where Tony is either dreading or <laughs> I don't know how much you're looking forward to it because it's going to be pretty random for you, but actual predictions. So go for, going from the top, so these will be the, followed the same way that you'll see them when you get onto the form. So who do we think is going to finish on top of block A? So uh, Rob, you've already been very vocal about your choice for this
1: one. So Kourabushi, right? Uh, absolutely. I think it's Koda Ibushi's year. He made that choice after being freelance for many, many years. He's decided that he will end his career with New Japan. So I think now is the time to make him the champion. And also there is that elite Kenny Omega connection that you can still get that westernization rub off of. People like Kota. They love his story with Omega. It's just a good move all around. Sonny?
0: Not knowing how they do business and how they factor things into booking scenarios based off of contracts and stuff like that, if I'm looking at this through a WWE lens, which may be completely fucking wrong to do, Kota Ibushi very easily could have gone to All Elite. And Kenny Omega seemed very upset that he didn't, but he understood. I could see New Japan saying to Kota Ibushi, look, if you sign with us and you don't go to All Elite, then we will not only push you towards the top of the food chain, you will win the G1 Climax, you will you'll lose the Intercontinental Championship. That's what it was, right? He lost that to yeah. Naito. Mm-hmm. You're going to yeah. lose that, but we're, over the course of the next year, we're going to make you the guy. So he has to finish at the very least at the top of block A, even if he doesn't win this whole tournament. I'm going Kotoobushi as well.
2: Uh, it's a little boring then. So yeah, I'm going with uh, Kotoobushi as well. <laughs> it's it's just the it's just the obvious choice, really. It's a guy who was right on the cusp of winning it last year is now firmly in the New Japan colours. I would say, if just to spice it up a little bit, my second choice would be Okada. I would have uh, gone
1: with Kenta for number two. Did you go for number two, bro? my number two would be Okada. Because, there again, that intrigue of, well, who would the champion pick? And I'd actually like to throw that question out there to you guys and to the people watching this, leave it in the comments. If Okada were to win, who would you like to see him choose? Oh, definitely Suzuki. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Has to be Suzuki.
1: Actually, Liger. Make Liger's final match for the IWGP Heavyweight Championship. That would be amazing. That would be special and i that's something I actually like to see them do. I am so wrapped up in the idea that they had so much stock in Kenny that if you wanted to squeeze one last Okada Omega match out could he just go you know what? I didn't beat you for this title and I wanted to so at Wrestle Kingdom I want Kenny Omega. Like the, the last match of Block A could even feature an appearance by Omega in the corner of Ibushi. You know, you could do so much with that. Is there,
0: like, a precedent that this could happen, or is this, like, a weird scenario where Okada beats Ibushi, wins Block A, beats Block B, and then says, Ibushi and I had been in, like, such a
2: ridiculous match that he deserves a shot even more
1: like
0: that kind be, of thing. Be, maybe even like have choice, that be yeah. a
2: draw. Yeah, yeah, it would be down to his choice. If he if he was to draw with the and still manage to get through and win the whole thing, then yeah, he could easily say that he wants to face the Bushi again. It would be entirely down to his choice. I'm still going to Bushi. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm still going to Bushi, yeah.
1: But no chance will Osprey, right?
2: No, not not yet. I think maybe a couple of years down the line potentially, but not quite yet. But that leads to the other, probably the more interesting question of who finishes bottom of Blocko? Lance Archer.
1: I've, uh, I've got Osprey at finishing at the bottom just because I think the story would be better told. But my number two would be Lance Archer. Yeah, I think Lan- Lance Archer
2: is probably the the safe bet to go for in this one. I'm personally gonna go i th- i think it it's between abushi <laughs> wins and also finishes bottom, bottom. yes <laughs> <laughs> i'm actually gonna go with i'm gonna go over archer because it's the safe one but if i was gonna be like living a bit dangerously i wouldn't be surprised if tanahashi was to go bottom just because he's so beaten up and broken down that you could make a story out of that So the idea that he ends up building up to a match with Jericho because he's obviously not in any sort of championship contention because he didn't do very very well in the G1 Climax, but Jericho can make a story about how Tanahashi's all washed up and broken down.
1: No, he did an interview recently with NewJapan.com talking about how the era has switched. It's not the Heisei era anymore, and they're switching over. He's had a hard time and still has yet to beat Jay White since... Wrestle Kingdom 13 so perhaps that is some of the story they're going or maybe you know what and this is a real possibility maybe it's Tanahashi wins it again Block B J J White wins it not saying that's my pick just saying this could be a story they tell Tanahashi dethrones his enemy and you go back to the tried and true Okada Tanahashi at Wrestle Kingdom
2: yeah, th- there's obviously very much potential things. With Tanahashi, you never know where they kind of have him standing at the moment. But, yeah, so in terms of just bottom, um, just to round it off, so I'm going Archer, Tony's going Archer, Rob, you're going Osprey.
1: I'm going Osprey. Okay.
2: So, let's move on to top of Block B, which are probably is a bit more open for interpretation. Uh, Tony, who have you got for this?
0: Uh, my gut instinct tells me Naito. Okay. Mm. Rob? I don't know why. Yeah, Maybe like he gets the win back from having lost uh, the Intercontinental title. My yeah, that, that could oh,
1: My yeah, gut also says Naito because Naito is the closest thing Je- to a Japanese Stone Cold Steve Austin. And I was never more surprised by the end of a match than I was at Wrestle Kingdom 13 when Okada actually retained over to Tetsuya Naito. Yeah, I think I think Naito is definitely one of the favourites. My gut is telling
2: me Jay White, but my head and the one that I'm gonna go with is telling me John Moxley. I would be so surprised. And... I think that's part of the reason why they're gonna do it, because I I see it as maybe just giving John Moxley the win as a shock, because they know people know that it's kinda of like, Oh, there's no chance that John Moxley is doing it, but if you have him win block B, people think, Oh, did I actually have something with John Moxley right now that's gonna extend past Wrestle Kingdom? And then, hopefully, just have Moxley lose against whoever in the final.
1: So that's the way I see it going in my head. Well, let's dissect that a little bit because the finals August twelfth, right? Or it's yeah, I believe it's is it twelfth or the eleventh? Whatever. It's really closely associated to the time of SummerSlam. But if the finals are Abushi and Moxley, I'm gonna throw that Kenny thing out there again because. John Moxley, Ooh. two weeks later, would go on to fight Kenny Omega at AEW All Out.
0: Yeah, but if they don't have a partnership, I don't know if they would want to do something that would work with their angle.
2: Yeah, that's, exactly.
1: Well, that's true, but they do have a contractual obligation, or not obligation, but a contractual agreement on Omega, and Omega can say, hey, while we're in discussion, let's do this thing. It'll help all of us, even if you know, Omega doesn't even show up. They can always go, hey, you know, I'm going to destroy Ibushi and I'll be thinking about you the entire time. You know, like, so much there you can play with, but I just don't see Moxley as a big-time investment for New Japan.
2: That's fair enough. I'll probably still end up going for it just because I think it just makes for an interesting story. But my second choice would be JY. I wouldn't
1: even be uh, my second choice. I'm waiting for the day, and it's never going to happen. But I just want him to like appreciate and accept the Intercontinental Championship into his life. Because the man is so degrading and abusive towards the title. And I just want the completion of the story where he's like, You know what? I actually like this. And I respect it again. I'll likely never get it, but I can dream. No, I I kind of prefer the fact that he'll always hate that title.
2: I think that's just a nice little wrinkle into his character a bit more. Uh, but so we got all the things. So you're both saying Naito. I'm saying Moxley. Yeah. Uh, who finishes bottom the block B? Toriana.
1: Um, going to Toriana. Yeah. Huh.
2: I feel like I should do something different because I was going to go with him. Based off of what you guys were saying. I mean you don't you you can go with him. Depends how much you want to win, Tony, or how much you want to have fun. Hmm. I'm gonna go Tai Chi. See, that would almost that would have been my choice a little while ago, now I feel like I have to change it because you said that one. Go John
0: uh, Moxley. <laughs> <laughs> Pickabuche. I'm
1: gonna go so, Robinson I'm going Chase Robinson. That's actually that's a very good choice. I would like to see a story where Robinson is just completely stripped of any sort of fighting spirit and pride, and has to work his way back up. I think those three are probably those three in Shingo, Takagi are probably the people that are most likely to finish bottom. By the way, Tony, this isn't Schrodinger's tournament. You can't they can't both win and be at the bottom depending on how you're feeling that day. What do you think?
2: You know, if I watch it, does it change the result? (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say, what do you think this is, WWE, where Samoa Joe can lose any matches for three months and still be the next contender for the WWE Championship?
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, they're on American soil. Who knows? Yeah.
1: That's
2: true. Uh, So let's go a little bit more, um, now just to start with the group winners. Let's go a bit more diverse with some of the questions here. So which block
1: winner will score the more points? So essentially, Going block A? I've got them at scoring the same because I'm not well-versed on, on, you know, time limit draws and things of that nature. So I have them at the same amount of points. And I think it'll make it more intense when it's finally time for the two winners to meet. Uh, I'm going block A as well. I just think
2: that... Due to the like the star power in that group, the, people, the person who has to win it will probably have to get a lot more points than the person in Group B. That's just... that's kind
0: of way I'm looking at that. Like if Ibushi were to win, I think that they would be trying to position him as like, wow, he's really working his way up the ranks, and legit wins over than like DQs or something like that would make yeah. a lot more sense. So that's like you know that's an extra point each time that that
2: would happen. Yeah. So. Next one, how many time limit draws will there be? Every single, uh, if, if, in case you're unaware, every single G1 Climax uh, block match is, has a 30-minute time limit. There have been plenty of draws before. Tony, you were talking about this before the uh, before we started recording. There have been like multiple draws in the last couple of G1 Climaxes. Mm. Yeah, uh, I, I don't remember exactly
0: for sure now off the top of my head, but it was something like in 2009 there were six, in 2010 there were four, and then... Every year since then there's been like an average of two, it
2: seems. Yes, so it does happen because there are different it's it's a way of maybe positioning someone over the top without making the person who got the time limit draw looking weak by not having getting through. It oft it's often happened involving like champions in these matches as well. So Kyle has had multiple time limit draws, Omega's had time limit draws when he was champion, other people have as well, Tanahashi. So it's definitely unheard of. We've set it in the uh, form between uh, zero, one, two, three, four, five, and five plus because five plus is probably a bit excessive, but it could happen. There are your matches, so you never know. But, uh, how many would you think, Tony?
0: I'm gonna go three for three some start. reason. I think that they're gonna go one more than the average, and that that's gonna play into somebody like maybe like a Jay White versus John Oxley.
1: Maybe they don't want, whoa, whoa, whoa. Uh, 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 let me just uh, hop in on the back of that because I also have three, and the three specific ones I think they'll be are Moxley Naito, Moxley J. White, and Okada Bushi. That's kind of
0: what I was thinking a little bit more along those lines, too. Like, just a way to keep those, like,
2: super strong people in that kind of fashion. Well, I'm going for the solitary one. And the one that I'm giving it to is Okada versus Will Ospreay. That's a good one. Hmm. Uh, just, I just think that they'll keep Osprey looking reasonably strong in some of these matches, he'll probably lose the majority of his matches but if they give him a draw against Carter, then it makes him seem big he could lose every other match and still have, have, be a big deal coming out of the G1 so that's just the one for me uh, the next one is a bit of an interesting one because it relates to not so much our star rankings and star rankings are obviously very subjective we don't use them for a very particular reason uh, but it based around Dave Meltzer's star rank star ratings because Dave Meltzer is obviously the king of the five star, six star matches, especially when it comes to New Japan. Uh how this will work when you get into the Google form is you'll have basically every single person on the list to choose from, every all twenty participants. Uh you choose two of them. If you get one of the pers- people that are involved in the highest rated match, you get a point. If you select both of them you get three points. So this is basically us guys determining which two people have the best match based on one guy's opinion
1: <laughs> <laughs> well in that spirit i've been very boring throughout this discussion and i apologize but i think uncle dave goes with okada and abushi have the best match on the whole tournament
0: i'm gonna switch it up a little bit i said i'm gonna split the difference and go with tanahashi and abushi
2: Tamahashi and Ibushi. Oh, that's... Yeah, That I mean, they, they have had very classic matches before, and there's a lot of storytelling between those two. So I think that's actually a very good option. I'm going to really break from the norm, and I'm not even going to go from group block A. I'm going to go from block B. And I'm going... This might be mental. I'm going Moxley against Ishii. Wow.
0: See, I think that's a mistake. You should go Archer and Yano. <laughs> I mean, You're say,
2: all true for a second. All <laughs> <So, laughs> true is going to defend the 24 7 Japan. Yeah, why not? Yeah. You I look think. there are different two. ways for him to defend the title. Have
0: him defend it on a completely different promotion where they don't even know. He's just yeah. in the crowd. and you
2: know. Oh my now, God. Drake Maverick
1: decides to honeymoon in Japan. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. I, the, the, first of all, that, a six month honeymoon, go Drake. But <laughs> I'm not sure of Meltzer's ratings. What's the highest rated Ambrose match? Meltzer's ever done. I have no idea. And That's I, could, what... I could, it's probably one of the Shield, like six man tag matches. I don't know. I, I just, even like matches that I think will be really good, like Moxley, Nido, I can't see that style working for Dave. And this is where it gets interesting because we're talking about a single guy's opinion. And I just don't see Moxley breaking the 4.5 star. Ranking for Dave. This
0: is about as good of a time as any to throw this out there. I fucking hate star ratings.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's, and I
0: I hate that I've had to do it's that sometimes. All very subjective.
2: It's all very. It's all wrestling is entirely subjective. Some some match that some guy would say is the greatest ever. Like we were talking about the um you know that w- the women's match from Fighter Fest. So many people talk about how great it was, and we was kind so of took key. the side that it wasn't that that good. It's very, yeah, very subjective. Like it doesn't mean some, we're wrong.
0: To some people, Steamboat Savage is the best match ever. I watched that match and I'm like, I'm bored. And like at that time frame that was the best match ever, but now it doesn't hold up as much. And then that do you change your star ratings based off of like do you have to keep rewatching everything and change it? Kind of the same as you would with like uh I don't know, like different records and different kind of like sports things where yeah, now it's You know, it's not that crazy for this person to hit this well or, you know what I mean? Like that type of thing. Or do you like, what's the difference between like a 4.25 or a 4.5? Then people nitpick and then they do the whole thing where it's like, well, that was a 4.78 to me instead of a 4.75. And you're
1: like, oh, fuck off. Like, well, as far as do you go back and change, if I was a guy with the credibility of Meltzer, I would every, like, let's say every 10 years, you know what, I'm going to go back and rescore and re-rank Savage and Steamboat, because contextually, it was a five-star match, but in 2019, does it hold up? I would go back and re-rank. It's like inflation
0: with movies, like Gone with the Wind has sold more tickets and made more money if you do the inflation than any other movie ever, yet Avatar is still the number one
2: worldwide. I I personally wouldn't go back and re-rate them because I think you need to... If you are going to do the star rating thing, you need to rate them in context. You can't... If you if you go back and like look at Savage against Steamboat, say, and now it's only, I don't know, a three, three and a half star match, I don't think that's fair on... Even though I know they probably wouldn't care anyway based around that. But it's not really fair on them because they can't help the fact that wrestling has become more athletic in the time that there's been a part. Yeah. I think you need to have the context surrounding it. Like, who knows? Maybe 10 years down the line, we look back at Okada versus Omega and think, oh that's like a four-star match.
1: Nowadays, no, when everyone, when everyone else is saying I like... I don't think I will ever see a better match than last year's Dominion-Okada-Omega. That was... But there was a group of people that thought one day, that, like, years and years ago, that they'd never see a better match than Ric Flair versus Ricky mm-hmm. Sting, though. What I'll say about those matches is at least they hold up. But... I don't usually get why people are so down on Meltzer's rating system because if you understand the man's taste, then you can, again, contextually rank that against your own. So I look forward to his because if he says something is like a five star match, I at least know I'm going to enjoy it to some degree because we have a similar interest in wrestling, but I'm not as hardcore into the strong style as Meltzer is. And it's the same with movie critics.
0: If you find a critic that tends to like the same movies that you like, and they give something a five-star rating, then by all means, you'll probably like the movie. But my issue with the rating stuff is people make a big deal over like, well, this is a six star out of five match. And I'm like, why is that even a thing? Like, I always thought just random side thing that a seven rank system makes a lot more sense because there's a little bit more like leeway of almost kind of like amazing, great, good. And then like, okay. so you have three above like the middle range and then you have three underneath the middle range Mm. because there's, you know, there's a little bit of leeway with that. And when everybody makes a big deal over like, well, he gave this a five star instead of a four and a three quarter star or whatever. It's Meltzer. It's like, you know, watch the match
1: if you want to. You heard it here first, folks. We're instituting the Smart 7-star ranking system, (laughs) starting with the next Extreme Rules pay-per-view. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, I just decided in the
2: uh, last couple of minutes to switch um, the uh, best one answer to Will Ospreay against Kota Ibushi. Well, you see,
1: because... Again, it's Meltzer's taste, right?
2: Yeah, because Meltzer thinks that uh, Osprey's the best wrestler in the world right now, so why would I go against the, who he thinks is the best wrestler in the world right now? He does worry
1: about his neck, though.
2: Yeah, I know. Well, I'm sure I'm sure he's got reason to. I think he's probably worried more about uh, Ibushi and Naito's neck at the moment than uh, Osprey's right now. I just thought with the Moxley and Ishii thing, well, all these other ones are going to be a lot of great matches. Theirs is going to be a war. And I don't know who's going to walk out of that still standing that's that's part of the reason my logic going into it so i might change back but you never know
1: that's anyway. gonna be a lot of the mainstream moxley matches to me like i think you know that jay white one that naito one they're gonna have some blood i think for sure all right so let's move on to who thinks gonna have the
2: longest match during the block stage i have to specify that it is during the block stage because the final has a 60-minute time limit compared to the other ones having 30-minute time limits. so it's not fair to count that match in it, because obviously that match will probably be the longest one, and we're already going to talk about who we think is going to be in the final anyway. So We've already talked about who we think is going to be in the final, because we've said our two winners, so there's no point picking those two as well. So who do you think will have the longest match in the block stage? Uh, Again, one point if you get one participant out of two, three points for choosing both. And Obviously, it kind of builds on the idea of if there's a time limit draw, they are by default going to be the longest matches because they can't go any longer than 30 minutes. So you guys both think there's going to be three time limit draws.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So yeah. essentially, you just need to pick two of those people and have a chance of doing it.
1: So now I've I've stayed true on the forum. I went with Okada and Ibushi because I think they're most likely to get into the time limit draw, but I definitely expect one of the Moxley matches to be time limit draws as well. Maybe I'll go in there and switch it to a Moxley match.
0: See, that's where I went, and I'm on the form right now, and I'm picking Ibushi and Moxley, because I'm not going to get three points, but I might be able to get one point for sure out of that.
2: Yeah, that's, that's, that's a very tactical way of doing it. Uh... I'll end up going for the the only draw that I think is going to be, so it would be Osprey against Okada. Isn't it? The two that I'll pick for that one.
1: But yeah, Okada, see, Okada can go so much longer than 30 minutes that he's also a safe bet. Like If, if you really feel that Moxley is a strong pick, you can go Moxley-Okada because Okada can easily go 30 and longer.
2: Uh, on the complete flip side of that, who's going to have the shortest match? And why is Torayana going to be one of the participants, bro?
1: <laughs> Actually, no. Oh, I went with Tanahashi and Osprey. I think one of the two is getting squashed by the other. Wow.
2: I I definitely don't see that coming because Will Osprey's never f- faced Tanahashi before, and I don't think he would he wouldn't stand for having a short match against Tanahashi. Unless, uh, that he unless there's a promise that he's going to get a longer one down the road.
1: I just think, specifically, the image in my head is Tanahashi's the ace, Osprey's not there yet. Again, I really think that's the story that could be and should be told here. So have the ace run through the new guy and, you know, let Will Osprey earn his way back into a classic match with Tanahashi.
2: What do you think, Tony?
0: I'm voting Yano for, like, the silliness of the whole thing, but I just kind of figured I'd throw a random name out there. Bad Luck Folly.
1: That's not a bad pick because he's a bigger guy and doesn't need to go long in the ring. Again, you're splitting your, you're hedging your bets with that one. Yeah.
2: So, that that's fair enough. That's obviously, it's a, it's a type that you can do. If, you, if you're on the form as well, you can just try and get one of the two people. You don't have to go for the same match. I like I'm not a gambler. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I'm the I type like... of person who, like if I have like a slot machine in front of me,
0: I put in five bucks and I win ten, Yeah, like so I'm plus five, I'm like, I'm walking away. <laughs> like, yeah. People are like, you didn't win anything, and I'm like, I'm plus five bucks, that pays for lunch. Like, yeah. well, I'm,
1: I'm, I'm 100% going in there right now and changing my picks.
2: <laughs> oh yeah, I'm definitely like uh, picking based on hoping to try and get the three points, and with this one it's going to be Yano against Jeff Cobb. Because Cobb would just fucking run right through him? I actually think that Yano will win that match. <laughs> oh. It's the funny thing. I think Cobb will run through him, and Yano will go blow him and roll him up in a couple of... I think what how that match I see going in my head is Yano immediately goes for the corner to take the, the buckle off. Cobb starts beating him up a little bit. He gets the referee in between the two. He does get the buckle pad off. Uh, Cobb runs into the corner, charges it, gets hit into the corner. Falls out, low blow, rolled up, wins in a, win in like, less than two minutes. Yano wins matches that way. I, like In my head, it was either Yano against Jeff Cobb or Yano against Tai Chi is going to be the shortest one. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> you, no, you don't. That's the point. <laughs> uh, but let's um, move on a bit more. A bit more in terms of like, length of time. Who will have the longest combined time across their nine matches? I think that's probably... That this for me is actually the most interesting question out of all of them. Because it's you just know, who's, you got you. They're going to have nine matches. It's a maximum amount of time of two hundred and seventy minutes in the ring. If you just draw all your matches, so but who will be in there the longest amount of time?
1: I'm I'm going. I'm really firm here. I'm going to feel sad if he ends up performing like shit. But Kodobushi. <laughs> Kobushi is a safe bet for these ones.
2: It's like a guy with tremendous conditioning will probably have the epic matches across the board. So it's not—it's definitely not a uh, a bad bet to put Kobushi up there. Tony,
0: uh, I'm debating between Okada and Kenta.
2: Kenta could be quite good to try and give him a good run straight away by giving him some uh, long matches.
1: And Okada is always a safe bet, as I talked about earlier, with the length of time he'll spend in a ring. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of, like, trying to frame this as, like,
0: a Royal Rumble in my mind, where a lot of times in Royal Rumbles, and again, of course, completely different company, every you know, gotta factor that in, but a lot of times in Royal Rumbles, they give the longest time to somebody who doesn't come out the winner, and that's why I'm thinking that Ibushi's not going to necessarily do that, especially because, like, he got fucked up on that Naito match. They might not want him to wrestle 29 minutes each time. And somebody who is on the lower end, like, I mean, you can be like a Kenta and you can wrestle a 29 minute match every single match and not win them, you know? Yeah, true. So, you know what? I'm going to go with Kenta. Why
2: not? Now, Callum, can I guess yours? Yeah, go ahead.
1: Will Osper? No.
2: Okay, go ahead. Osprey will lose matches in reasonable amount of time against heavyweights. At the moment, I'm going with two. I've got two left field choices in my head between Ishii and Zack Saber Jr.
1: Again, Saber Jr. And I'm sad we didn't talk about him enough. I think it's just because of the nature of the tournament. I don't see him going far, but Saber Jr. is so solid, and I would make the argument best pure wrestler in the world. Zack Saber Jr. In terms of like technical wrestling,
2: he's pretty yes. much nailed it on for everything right now. Um, I think just because Zack Saber Jr. has such a unique style in terms of his submission wrestling, that his objective is to wear people down, and it takes you it obviously needs to take a while for them to wear people down. And so maybe his, a lot of his matches will go twenty plus. Ishii again is uh, his gimmick is essentially he's a stone pit bull. And so you have to wear him down constantly. And so it takes ages for him to finally relent and get broken down and beaten. So I think, guns my head, I'm going to go Ishii for this one. Uh, and now we get to the big one, the final one. Who wins the G1 Climax 29? Torriano.
1: Well,
2: <laughs> uh, our truth. It's a...
1: yeah. No, um, I'll just say it first because I've been fucking transparent throughout the whole thing it's Bushi's year i think uh he gets in there with naito one more time hopefully walks out of the final match without a broken neck and i think it's okada Ibushi, again in wrestle kingdom 14 in at least one of the nights but again i i have this weird kenny omega will be involved in wrestle kingdom in my opinion and i just don't know where and I think Kodobushi winning also plays a role in that. Uh right, Tony, you've echoing Rob's
2: sentiments?
0: No, not a hundred percent. I think that based off of not having any information about where Omega can pop up, that two night thing is pretty interesting to me. And again, if I'm booking this through like WWE philosophy. I would say night number two would need to be the championship and whatever, like, I don't know, like some kind of uh, equivalent of like a secondary main event. Like, uh, I guess I could kind of look at it as WrestleMania 2. WrestleMania 2 had a championship in one main event, a battle royal in the other main event, and um, a fake Piper. Match and, <laughs> and, yeah, so that was like the celebrity involvement type thing. So how would I book... A two-night New Japan WrestleMania, essentially. Well, if Liger is retiring, Liger has to be one of those main things. If Omega is in in the mix, he has to be involved in some fashion in one of the main events. You're almost kind of splitting the difference in making six main events, or four at the very least. What if Omega is in some kind of a non-title scenario, and he is in, say, the first night, which doesn't matter as much. Against who the fuck? I don't know. And you've got Jericho in the same kind of scenario with Tanahashi. And you've got Liger against whoever. Suzuki. And then your, your other night is the Intercontinental Championship, the United States Championship, and the uh, Heavyweight Championship. Just kind of like, you know, not splitting at all championships on the one night, but everybody like that. So I'm thinking this boils down to Ibushi Okada in Russell Kingdom. And Ibushi has to win this.
1: Now I, I have a different philosophy about the whole two night Wrestle Kingdom thing. I just assumed because it's four and five, right? Not three and four. It's January fourth and January fifth. I believe so. Yeah. I just assumed that they were announcing that night two would almost be like a Raw after Mania, where it's it's still in the dome because it's a big show. Well, it's this is essentially
2: replacing the New Year's Dash, yeah, that show that I always did after Wrestle Kingdom anyway.
1: That's why I'm thinking they can go night one, Abushi Okada, and just, like, you can do whatever you want that it can be major for night two, like as a one-off. Again, I keep throwing in the possibility of Omega. That could be a one-off. Omega, Okada, January 5th, and, you know, Omega loses, and you don't see him again. Or you could even do the... The jericho match there but i feel like it's more of solidifying that the january 5th date is a major event similar to the raw after mania rather than splitting the january 4th event in two well i, th- I think that's
2: definitely a potential but it's just a case of we won't know until we've seen it because they've never done this before so it's, it's logical to expect that based on history but they could just be going along the lines of, well, we're going to change tradition now. Now it's just two huge shows as opposed to the one January 4th one. Now it's a too big night event.
1: I think if we get to the finals and block A winner and block B winner go the 90 minutes, then you're going to know, okay, that they're probably leading towards night one, night two. You know?
2: I, I still think that would be very, very That would be wild, and I don't think it's, it's wild. It's why I've not put a draw, a draw option, or no option in this thing because I'm so certain that it won't be. But if it is, then I'll just void the entire thing and we can just say we had fun.
1: We, we <laughs> and you know what? I had fun doing this podcast. Well, I'm not done yet. I haven't even picked my uh, one yet. You're well, gonna rush it? Well, <laughs> well, shit! I forgot about you. Sorry. Uh,
2: over the course of this thing, I've been like flipping over like many different options in my head because now, as as time's moved on, thinking about who's going to finish top league, top of group block B, it makes me a bit like. Uneasy to think of John Moxley winning it now because I know he'd have no chance of winning the final. Whereas the two people that could win it, based on just the two blocks in my opinion, are Kota Ibushi and Jay White, because Jay White is the guy that lost the title to a carder It makes sense for Jay White to be one of the top guys around there. Kota obviously makes a huge amount of sense. So I think they're the only two that I think, in my mind, have really like top level realistic chances of winning it. And but my choice echoes you guys in saying that Kota will win the G1 Climax.
1: Now, I, I do want to throw this out there. I've seen a lot of Jay White and Okada in recent months, and I don't know if that's something I'd be interested in seeing going into the next Wrestle Kingdom. But like, okay, we're going to do this again. But you guys are interested, well, based on your logic, you're interested in seeing Naito
2: and Abushi have their fifth match this year?
1: Well, I just think it'll happen. <laughs> I, especially after the last one, I am not interested in seeing these men try to kill each other because I got all I needed at Dominion with that German suplex on the apron.
2: Yeah, it's just case like I, I don't know whether Okada versus White makes the most like powerful sense in terms of like just real intrigues around the match, but it doesn't mean they wouldn't go that way because they definitely have a lot of stock in White and a Okada. So, but we well, obviously will get down to it. Uh, when it all comes to a head so the poll will be open on the website until uh the like a couple of like probably half an hour an hour before the first show starts on july, saturday july 6th you have until then to fill it out on the website when you get the chance to uh the tournament itself ends on august 12th you might not reveal the result on the like post show revolving around that because there's a very good possibility that the final match is also like the the, the highest rated ones. We have to wait to see what Meltzer would say about that one to get some of the things dealt with and all the other aspects covered out. But as soon as we get the opportunity to, we'll shout out who won. We'll give them a nice golf clap of celebration, and then we'll move on with our lives.
1: Now, I have a <laughs> question that the listeners might want to know. Will we be doing like tentpole events? Like, are we going to talk about the opening on on july 6th are we going to talk about anything before the finals or are we just going to do a massive recap on the day of SummerSlam and kill ourselves i think it should be a case of just doing
2: at least in my logic and it depends obviously on how it changes over time because this is just like coming off the top of the head so i think it makes most sense to just do a roundup episode and just talk about the finals talk about some of our favorite moments and matches not go super in depth over everything but just talk about those those elements and stuff like that what we think is going to happen in Wrestle Kingdom and all the other side of things because it's it's going to be hard to keep track of all the other things especially with like the varying hours compared to Japan and America and the UK it's it's going to be not only possible to kind of just pick out, okay, we're going to do it for this event and talk about things that have been going on as like a breakdown. I think it's good to have a nice comprehensive preview, which we've done here. And then a nice comprehensive review at the end of it, even though we'll have some after slam off that as well. So, <laughs>
1: well, but I, I think it this is, a- oh, go ahead, this is it.
0: my kind of, uh, filling everybody in on schedule wise and all that other kind of stuff over the next couple of weeks and, uh, the next month and a half, I guess you could say, Which, by the way, again, just putting it out there, if you want to know when we post these things on YouTube and Anchor and Stitcher and all the other kind of stuff like that, follow us on all the different platforms, subscribe to all the platforms, rate us, rank us, all the other kind of things that go along with that. Uh, But the current lineup, unless WWE or AEW or anything else changes, because they've been doing that (laughs) this past year of being like, hey, by the way, we're going to add like 18 more events on all these things. My current setup for Smack Talk is that we do TakeOver Toronto and SummerSlam during that week. And then episode, which would be like the 402nd smack talk, which of course, numbering systems all out of whack as it is. That week is a blank week. So I would vote more on the idea of after SummerSlam is over with, then there's a little bit of time to be able to assess the damage, go through everything. And then our main event for that week could be a comprehensive review of the whole thing because having it be a couple days past that point people aren't gonna click on it anyway you know like that type of uh immediate click during SummerSlam. because i can guarantee even if there is like a podcast that is recording on the morning of SummerSlam, i'm gonna be way too booked to be able to edit it so it's gonna come up
2: a couple days later anyway yeah we might as well we'll, we'll do it anyway because we've watched the talked about this we want to see people's responses and it's still it's still an interesting thing to talk about even if it doesn't get the hugest of of attention in japan is very even it's, it's a growing market still niche in terms of the wrestling audience especially in like america and europe and all over the place really so i think it'll still be interesting to talk about and just unpack everything and prepare for breast kingdom but we probably will end up like tony says do it a few days after summer slam just to just to let the, the dust settle on the event
0: yeah that way we have the star ratings sorted out. We've got time to look at everybody's responses on the predictions contest and do all the math because that surprisingly takes a while mm. and then that's our p- p- possible main event for that week on somewhere around August fourteenth
2: yeah we'll, well yeah we'll decide it around about that time and then you'll then you'll have all the responses all the answers, and we'll be well on the road to Wrestle kingdom.
0: Yeah, and that's something that if you guys want to see more of these kind of things, hit up that Patreon and toss some spare change our way. That's a great motivator to be able to do some extra kind of content, because if you're not familiar with how things work and stuff and freelancing gigs and doing all these kind of things on the side, if you get a little bit of, I don't know, say it's like a $20 tier, I think is what it is. Well, then I don't have to write an article, so then I can, you know, do all the editing work, and that's kind of how that balances out, so if you want to see more New Japan or Ring of Honor stuff or whatever else, by all means, that is your best, best method of motivating me when it comes to that stuff. There's also the Public and Redbubble shops for the merchandise. If you want to, you know, toss some spare change our way that way and actually get something mm-hmm. tangible like a clock or whatever. I mean, I always go with clock because I think it's really funny. <laughs> like That's one of those products that I just don't imagine people buying a clock that says ha 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 Kennedy on it. But maybe you will. I don't know. Uh, if you want to buy a onesie that says Push Roman, people have done that in the past, oddly enough. So keep that in mind. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Moment. Follow all the things that are happening on smartoutmoment.com Vote for the tournament that we will be breaking down tomorrow at some point. And stay tuned to com for the movie review type size uh, stuff on A Mango Tree. If you want to know what I have to say about Spider-Man Far From Home, put up my review point about that last week. Last week. Wow, I wasn't that early. Last night. Jesus. And uh, follow the Wrestling News, follow Bleach Bleacher Report, and all that stuff. I think that that's all my plugs. If I'm forgetting something, you guys should know it by now. But these other people have something else to say, so by all means, guys, take that.
1: All right, and if you want to follow me, Rob, on Twitter and Instagram, it's at DudeFelice. Uh, I'm going to echo Tony's sentiments about the Patreon because if we were to ever get to a place where SmartGout Moment was profitable, I'd have no problem devoting more time to this so we could cover every wrestling promotion. And yeah, I think that would be a greater thing for you, the viewer and listener. And I, on top of that, check out all the weeklies at com and I'm going to toss it over to Calum to round us out. Okay,
2: so after a... Um... A reasonable co-hosting job in terms of uh, talking about New Japan specialist subject. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at weekmaster14. See any ramblings do? I'll probably be hopefully talking a little bit more there because I'm I'm not the most frequent tweeter, but I might do a few bits and pieces built around the G1 climax because I'm so looking forward to this tournament this year. Uh, then you can also check out 2001 Wrestling Odyssey. So talking about the future here in terms of our predictions. So then you can take a trip back in time. All the way back to the year 2001 where WCW was on its deathbed and WWF was at its highest point ever. Ah, those days. (laughs) Uh, And then uh, we have episodes all the way back from stretching between, monthly episodes stretching between uh, January and June, including a special on WrestleMania X7. So if you want a nice history lesson, then go back and check those out.
0: And that's going to do us in for this. As I mentioned before, stay tuned for everything else that is heading your way. As uh, Otis would say for uh, Heavy Machinery, lots of other things, including the G1 Climax, are coming! <laughs> I had to. We had to wait some i got a Climax joke in there. Uh, we will be hitting you next with the Round 3 quarterfinals. We will see you there, everybody. But for now, this has been another Smartout Moment, and we're being counted out. Thank <laughs> you.